have your Bibles, I'd like for you to join me in the book of Luke chapter 2. For those of you who are with us today for the first time, I'd like to give you a personal greeting and uh, say thank you so much for joining us in our worship gathering. We trust and we pray that you encounter Christ. And we trust and we pray that, that you uh, interact with people that make you feel welcome and that you connect with people of love in this house. We are delighted that you're with us today. And I actually have a guest with us from California who was at the men's retreat that I preached at a couple of months ago who's, uh, who's here in town visiting his family. So Doug and to your beautiful wife, thank you for joining us today in our service. We're glad to have you. Uh, we are going to be preaching out of the book of Luke chapter 2 this morning. And for those of you who are new to the idea of some elements of church history and the church calendar, uh, I'd like for you to know that Christmas is actually not just a day. Christmas, historically, is actually a season of time that begins on the 25th and actually goes to January the uh, 6th, which is where many people celebrate and honor a day called Epiphany. Epiphany is the day where uh, the church Uh, celebrates and honors the time where Jesus was actually revealed to the Magi. And also, there's two things that are happening there on that same day where he's, not historically, but we recognize and we celebrate the fact that Jesus was revealed as the king of the kings of the Gentiles and also the time when Jesus was baptized. We'll talk a little bit more about that next Sunday, but we're still in Christmas tide. We're still in the, the season of Christmas. Now, commercially and culturally, everybody's trying to get us to uh, get into the New Year's deals and the New Year's sales, but what I'd like to propose to you is for us to do everything we can to continue to slow the pace of life down and to continue to just bask and sit in the wonder and in the revelation that the Christ has come, that God clothed himself and took on humanity, entered into the brokenness of our world to be salvation, to be life, and to be peace for us And that's going to guide our text this morning. Our text is actually uh, when Mary and Joseph present uh, the baby Jesus into the temple according to the customs and laws of that time. And there's a specific word that God has for us this morning in this text. Before we get into that, let me uh, remind you that at the end of January, 10 days closing out January, we're going to be participating in a corporate fast for 10 days. Now, for those of you who've been a part of the Antioch family for some time, you should be rejoicing because we've shrunk that from 21 to 10. Some of you are mourning because that was your time to like cleanse out all the Christmas and December junk out of your systems, which you can still do that on your own volition. They're just, I won't be joining you. I'm going to take 10 days as opposed to 21, and I'm going to commit those and dedicate those and consecrate those to the Lord, seeking his face for revelation and truth for the next year and and devoting this year to him and I invite you guys to join us in that. Well, let me pray and we'll jump into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for the presence and the current immediate activity of your spirit that is here with us right now. Father, we thank you that we gather not in our own name and we gather not out of formality, we gather in the name of Jesus. And we believe that the kingdom of God has begun, 
that the kingdom of God has come and it is coming. And as we stand in the tension of your kingdom that is here and not yet fully here, Father, we, by the power of your spirit, we long for and we anticipate the fullness of your kingdom in this earth. Father, we pray for the power of the Spirit to illuminate the Word of God, to bring revelation, to bring truth, to break in and to break through mindsets, even attitudes, habits, uh, lies of the enemy. Father, we pray that truth would be proclaimed, that truth would be pronounced, and like a sword, truth would cut. And in so cutting, Lord, it would cut away things that are not of you, and it would also release healing and freedom and life and all the things that are from you. And we pray these things today by faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 22, and I'm going to read a pretty lengthy passage of Scripture. We're going to read first from Luke 2, 22 to 40, and then we're going to fill in some of the gaps here. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God, and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and he became strong. 
and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is God's word. This is a very fascinating passage of scripture in, in many regards. There's a lot of things we can pull out of this, but for the sake of time and for the focus of today's service, I, I want to hone in on something very, very specific, and, it, and it's about this guy, Simeon. Simeon, a man who's really only mentioned one time in scriptures. We don't know anything about him prior to this moment. And there's not much that said, if anything at all, said about him after this moment. Now, what's happening here historically? We got to remember that Joseph and Mary, they're not from Jerusalem. They are from Nazareth. And they're traveling to Jerusalem for a census. And as they're approaching Jerusalem, Mary decides to go into labor. The Christ child is born. And according to the law and the customs, there's, there's a time of ceremonial uh, cleansing that needs to happen. And after this time, then Mary and Joseph present Jesus in the temple to do a, a child dedication, to, to present their son to the Lord and to invite the power of the Lord to be upon Jesus' life. That's what's happening right here. Jesus at this moment is probably about three months old. While they're, while they're doing this, we have this older man. We know, we know he's older from the scriptures. And there's something that's happening in Simeon that nobody else in the temples recognize. Somehow, Jesus takes a look at this little child, or Simeon takes a look at this little child. And he sees what nobody else sees. He recognizes by the Spirit, this is no ordinary child. This is the one that we've been waiting for. Now, this is amazing for a number of reasons, but yesterday, I don't know if you have this set up, but on my Gmail, I have this little feature. And, uh, and on my Google Photos, they have this little feature that says, this time last year, or this time two years ago, or this time three years ago. So there's this, there's this little circle with the number one in it, and I just decide, I'm fascinated, I just click on this, and it says, this time two years ago, these are the pictures that you took on this day. And I thought, oh man, this is great. I'm going to take a little trip down memory lane, and I see my twin boys who are four years old now, two years old at the time, and I could barely recognize these guys. All right? Two years old, twin boys, I'm their father, and here's Simeon, a stranger, a three-month-old child, and he goes, he's the one. He's the one. Now, clearly, Simeon's not recognizing something just by the natural. Clearly, Simeon's not, there's nothing in the physicality or the embodiment of Jesus or on Mary and Joseph that Simeon looks at them and he knows exactly, he knows by the Spirit, and the Scriptures tell us that. And I love this because not only does it tell us that Simeon is a righteous man, so we know that he's a man of God. He's a devout man, and according to Old Testament custom and law, very simply that means that he was a man of the word, he was a man of scripture, he was a man that followed the law. But there was something else that was going on. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a rule follower. He wasn't just someone who honored the law. He was someone who had a vibrant and dynamic and living relationship with God via the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke, the theologian who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, has a secret agenda. 
Now, one of the things that's fascinating about all the authors of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is that each of them shared the same story, but they shared it from their own vantage point. And each of those had a unique agenda in sharing the story of the Christ. Matthew was writing to the Jews. Mark was writing to the Romans. Luke was writing to the Gentiles. And he had a specific agenda. I want, amongst many things, for people to know that this gospel was preached and proclaimed and this Messiah has come not just for the Jews, but for all nations and for all peoples. And you see this in Simeon's prophetic word that he speaks over Jesus. He also has a secret agenda that the Holy Spirit's ministry is beginning even at the conception of Jesus. We find Luke's account speaking about the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. We see Luke's account talking about the Holy Spirit upon Elizabeth when John is born. We see Luke's account talking about both Mary and Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit. We see Luke's account talking about John leaping in Elizabeth's womb, and all of these things are references to the Holy Spirit. And here again now we see this stranger a devout man, a righteous man, a rule follower, a God-fearer, yes, but a man who had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know a lot of our family members here at Antioch, you know we love the Holy Ghost. We some Holy Ghost folks in here. But there's some people that are joining us here today that the third member of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead, he, he might be one of the, the, the foreign members of the Godhead. He might be the wild and crazy one. He might be like, you know, that crazy uncle that shows up on holidays and we just kind of, you know, tolerate him for a while and then let's go back to keeping everything normal. I want you to know today that the Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is God just as much as God the Father and God the Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is living and dwelling in the church today. And here's why the Holy Spirit, amongst so many things that are so important, the Holy Spirit is the one whose unique and specific job description is to reveal Jesus. Now, at the end of the day, everything is all about Jesus. All of it. All of it. At the end of the day, it is all about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, equally God has a unique function to help us understand who Jesus is, which tells me by implication that we cannot know who Jesus is without the Holy Spirit. No matter how many dictionaries or commentaries that we read, no matter how much schooling we have, no matter how much experience we have, no matter how many worship songs we sing, no matter how many times we come to the table or how many times we witness about Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit who is God, who helps us know who Christ is. It is the Holy Spirit who helps us to recognize Christ is on the scene. And that's what what's happening right here, that Simeon is so acquainted with the Holy Spirit who is God, that when this, and we have to understand, that when Joseph and Mary walk into the room, in the Old Testament law, there were certain sacrifices that were designed for people that were wealthy, and there were certain sacrifices that were designed for people who were not so wealthy. They were poor. And the sacrifices that we find right here in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 and 23, they were the sacrifices that were designated for the poor. And so this poor couple comes in, 
and they present their offering of, of these turtle doves and these pigeons, which is the offering prescribed for the poor in that society. And Simeon knows this is the one that we've been waiting for. Now let's put this in context here. Prior to this moment, the people of God known as Israel, the society, the nation of Israel, had not heard the word of God for 400 years. 400 years. I don't know about you, but I shudder at the thought of not having some personal inspiration, some personal guidance, some personal interaction, some personal, I'll even take a rebuke for God's sake. Just speak to me. You can correct me, you can rebuke me. I just want you to know that you are here and that you are working in my life. And that was completely absent. Scripture says that the word of the Lord was absent for 400 years. And that forms a people, that shapes a people. And somehow in the midst of this silence and in the midst of this absence and in the midst of this darkness, Simeon was cultivating something in the secret place with God. No one knows Simeon's name before or after, but Simeon did what nobody else could do. He recognized when God was on the scene. And here's what's amazing. You have to know that in that moment, there were tons of other people in that temple. You have to know that in that moment, people were walking through their rituals, that people were walking through their routine. You have to know that in that moment, people were doing what they were, they were, they were supposed to do, and yet they missed Christ when he came into the room. Very much like the Pharisees, very much like the Sadducees, very much like the Herodians, very much like the scribes and the teachers of the law and those that were learned and those that had memorized the fullness of the Torah and those that knew all of the details of the law. And yet when Jesus, then as a full grown man, comes onto the scene and he starts breaking all the rules, they can't recognize that the one that we've been trained, the one that we've studied, the one that we thought that we knew what he was supposed to look like when he came, they missed him. The first time I encountered this scripture, several weeks ago, preparing for this moment right now, I came up and I was talking with Christy and just trying to share some of this and I burst into tears. And she's like, good Lord, what's going on? It's an old man. No, she didn't respond that way. And I was trying to put into words what was happening inside of me. And the only thing that I could say is, babe, I don't want to miss Christ when he is present right before me. I don't want to miss Christ when he's present in a child or when he's present in a sick person or when he's present in uh, a homeless person. I, I, don't, I don't want to miss Christ in a moment that's extremely familiar I don't want to miss Christ right now in this moment because, guys, listen, he is present with us. And you have to know that for Simeon, it was just another day. It was just another day. He did not know that this was the day that he had waited for the entirety of his adulthood. He didn't know. He did not know when he woke up that morning, today's the day, that I'm going to, with my very eyes, see the consolation of Israel. Now, what's the consolation of Israel? It's an interesting word. The word there is actually the word periclesis. So when Simeon says with his lips, we just read it, he says, my eyes have seen the coming of the comfort and the consolation of Israel. The word is periclesis, paraclete, which is the word for the comforter. 
In John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, when Jesus talks and he says, it is beneficent and expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, guys, listen, I can't send the comforter and you need the comforter. Who's the comforter? The comforter is the Holy Spirit. Now, interestingly enough, according to rabbis in Old Testament Judaism, they also referred to the coming Messiah as the comforter. And so throughout all of the scriptures, particularly in Isaiah, you see this over and over again. God is speaking to his people who are in exile. He is speaking to his people that are under the oppression of another nation. And he says, listen, guys, listen, do not give up hope. Do not grow faint because I am sending consolation and comfort to Zion. I am bringing comfort to you, Israel. Well, who is that comforter? It is Jesus. And so Simeon is drawing on hundreds of years of prophetic promise. That's a good word for us today. Simeon is drawing on hundreds of years of prophetic promise. Consolation and comfort through the coming of the Messiah are coming to you, Israel. And here's the amazing thing. Somehow, Simeon did not give up hope. In the next few minutes, here's what I want to leave with you. I wrestled with this. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to articulate what it is that I think is happening in my heart around this passage. I, I really need you to help me articulate this. And I felt the Lord just drop this into my spirit. And the word very simply was, there is an encounter for my people. There is an encounter for my people. And the thing that's different about us and Simeon is that Simeon was waiting for a one-time encounter that was going to mark his life and allow him then to go on. But because of the coming of Christ and because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can have that encounter on a daily basis. We can encounter Christ regularly, individually, as families, and as the people of God there is an encounter with God that is waiting for you. There is an invitation from God that is waiting for you. And it's not just in what we would define as spiritual moments. When you are in that line at King Supers, there is an encounter with Christ waiting for you. When you are at the gas station, when something interrupts your schedule, look there is an encounter waiting for you. Christ is hidden in the obscure moments. He's hidden in the interruptions. He's hidden in the moments of life that are familiar to us. And here's what I love about God. He actually inserts himself into the rhythms of our lives. Let me just pause one, for, one, one, one second. You, you know, we kind of get things out of order when we think about the, the magi and the kings of the east, we fail to recognize that those kings were not Christ followers, you guys. Those kings from the east, some of them put them in maybe Persia or some element of the Orient who traveled thousands of miles. These guys were astronomers and astrologers. Now think about this. For those of you who know your Old Testament law, you know that following the stars was actually forbidden. So how is it, how is it 
that God can actually insert himself into something that he says is wrong and use that very thing to reveal God to people that in their own selves and in their own culture and in their own people group and in their own customs and in their own ways, they've been trained to follow the stars and God says, I'm gonna use that very thing that I have told my people to not do and I'm gonna use that very forbidden practice to reveal myself and so redeem that thing. And in so doing, you have to understand, God will reveal himself to you in the things that you're already doing. He will reveal himself to you in your normal routines. He will reveal himself to you in the things that you love. Coffee. (laughs) Hunting. Politics. Economics. Art. Literature. Sci-fi. Fantasy. It, it It doesn't really matter. Where you are located, God will reveal himself to you in the very middle of that. Look for him. Look for him. Look for him. Now, just a couple of quick things about Simeon. We'll move on to Anna, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. All right, here's what we know about Simeon. He had a dynamic, vibrant, living relationship with the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit revealed to him, Simeon, you're not going to die until your eyes behold the Messiah. And he held on to that. There are some things that God has spoken to you and to me and to us as a people. And this is why these prophetic words are so important. This is why we make room and we make space for the present ministry of the Holy Spirit today. Because we are people who forget. We are a forgetful people. People at large are forgetful people. This is why God throughout the entirety of the human race has set up customs and and feasts and rituals and, and, and laws. And he set these things up to help remind us of things that we are so prone to forget. And this is why in our liturgy, as an evangelical, sacramental, and charismatic people, we make space for the Holy Spirit to say, God, remind us of the things that we forget. And we forget things like this. Hey, I am moving, I am active, don't give up hope. I promise to be with you, I promise to guide you, I promise to make all things new, I promise to strengthen you, I'm not done with you. We need to hear those kinds of reminders. And so Simeon has this promise. If you want to encounter Christ, if we want to encounter Christ on a regular basis, we need to hold fast to the promises of God. And though things may look dark and dismal and bleak, and though it may feel like you're forgotten, friends, listen, listen, you are not forgotten. And we are not forgotten, and God is at work in the darkest season of your soul. He is there. He is there, moving, actively working in your life. Don't let go of the promise. Second thing that we see about Simeon is it says that he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And I love this because I don't know what Simeon was doing prior, but somehow in the middle of their just doing what they were supposed to do in following the law, Simeon is over here prompted by the Holy Spirit. Hey, move a little closer. It reminds me of Philip who in a moment was nudged by the Holy Spirit to go share the gospel with an Ethiopian eunuch. And who knows the, the ripple effect of what happened on a nation's level because one man going about his business was nudged and moved by the Holy Spirit. Hey, go hang out by that chariot. You can take it from there. 
I got this, you got this, we're together. Here's Simeon, he's worshiping. He's probably having his own quiet time. He probably doesn't want to be bothered. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, hey, go check those guys out. And in the process of Simeon moving over there, boom, revelation kicks in. This is the one. He was moved by the Holy Spirit. Friends, as we go into a new year, expect to be moved by the Holy Spirit. Expect it. Expect it. I think some of us need to have some expectation reawakened in us. I think some of us, I, you know, as we were in worship and, and right before we went into this time of prophetic proclamation, I had some things that I just felt the Lord drop in me and I just felt to hold them for this moment. And here, and here it is. Here it is for you. Here it is for us. For those of us who've traveled here from California, for those of us who are kind of checking things out, and for those of us who've been family for years, here's the word. Here's the word. There are fresh encounters with God for you this coming year. Now, I know, listen, listen, that can become like, oh, yeah, I know. No, 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 no. You don't know that. Some of you need to believe again. Some of us, let's be honest, have gotten a little comfortable. Some of us have just gotten a little laissez-faire. Some of us have gotten a little uh, complacent. Some of us, for whatever reason, and there are thousands of reasons, from disappointment to loss to grief to busyness to laziness, some of us have just gotten into a place where we're like, I'm, I'm really at a good place right here. Life is going well. I'm managing the family. I'm managing the work. I'm managing the recreation. I'm, I'm, I'm squeezing in a little quiet time here or there. I show up on Sunday. I show up more than so-and-so. Listen, there is more. There is more. There is more. There is more to God for us to discover. There is more power for us to release to the earth. There is more of the Holy Spirit for us to become acquainted with. There are more dreams that God has, that he is dreaming over the earth realm right now, that he is looking for people to participate with him and to engage with him. There's more. There's more revelation. There is more insight from the word to guide us and to strengthen. There's more. And I feel like the word is for some of us, we're still looking at encounters that we had like five and 10 years ago. We're still looking at 2008 and going, man, weren't those 90 days so amazing? And we shut everything down and we hung out. That was amazing. But that was almost 10 years ago. What about the encounters that God is organizing? organizing, like setting up logistical coordination for you to have an encounter with God. You realize that when God met with Moses at that burning bush that God had to do some, he had to, he's like, okay, these are the patterns and I'm gonna make this sheep go this way and all of a sudden he's gonna show up here. That didn't just happen. God coordinated that junk. God is setting up some encounters for us and here's the beautiful thing. These things are not things that we initiate. Nothing in the faith is something that we initiate. You see what's happening here in Luke chapter two, there's a rich theological ter uh, term and concept called prevenient grace. Who knows what prevenient grace means? 
Sweet, one theological nerd in the back, a couple, great, probably from that theological nerd. All right, here's the idea of prevenient grace. It's really, really simple. It means nothing in God happens by our initiation. Prevenient grace means that it is God who is the starting point of all activity in the earth. It means that it is God who is constantly drawing us, inviting us, setting things up, setting things in motion. It is God who is saying, I'm going to take the lead. I am going to invite you. And you know, all we have to do is so simple. All we have to do is respond. All we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is participate. Friends, I want you to know that as amazing as the altars and experiences and encounters you've had with God in 2017 and prior have been, and they have been amazing, Allow those things to whet your appetite, not to satisfy your hunger. And allow them to propel you forward into God. Because there are things that are waiting for you that he has already set up. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Can we throw that up on the screen? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. There's a billion scriptures that we could walk through here about people that, that, that pursue God people that knew God when nobody else did. John the Baptist saw what nobody else saw. Anna the prophetess saw what nobody else saw because she lived in a life of fasting and a life of prayer. Simeon saw what nobody else saw. There were people that knew Christ when nobody else saw him. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we, you, you, we Antioch, you who are with us today, you are God's handiwork. The word in the Greek there is poema, where we get the word poem which implies not just this mechanical, logical, logistical, engineering thing. It implies this personal infusion of artistry. You are the artistry of God. You are the artistic masterpiece of God. That's that word, so rich. You are the artistry of God. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Watch this, watch this, watch this. You were created. There are things that, there are songs, there are, there are articles, there are blogs, there are pictures. There are relationships, there are, there's insight, there's wisdom, there's understanding, there's strategies, there's businesses. There's organizational management, leadership, there's compassion, there's medicine, there's all of these things. Those are good works that are created for you to do. For you to do. And watch this, which God prepared beforehand for you to do. He has set it all up. He has set it all up. In 2018, as we posture our hearts to say, God, I want to encounter you today. I want to encounter you today like I didn't encounter you yesterday. I want to awaken a faith inside of you to say this. There, there may be tired or dry or bleak or boring or monotonous seasons or times or days, and that's okay. Don't let go of your faith and your hope to have a vibrant, living, dynamic, vivacious relationship with God in the Holy Spirit now because there's good works for you to create it to do. Amen? Let hope arise, Antioch. Let hope arise inside of you. Let hope arise inside of you. Let hope arise. I cannot wait to hear the testimonies from you. And listen, there's no pressure on that. Take the pressure off. 
follow, say yes, and say, God, I want those encounters. And you know what? He will make sure that they happen. Come on, let's stand to our feet.